0: Love, talk, radio. Hi everyone, this is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Monday, October 2nd, it's 10 a.m. Central, and we're live out of Chicago. Another difficult day for our country, thoughts and prayers go out to anyone affected by what happened in Las Vegas last night, definitely in our hearts today. So as you know, that we gather on Monday mornings as a way to start your day and your week, and we hope that we start your day and your week with comfort. And for the past several weeks, we've been introducing you to either a panelist or a presenter at our second annual National Caregiving Conference. And today, we're going to introduce you to a presenter and a panelist. So Priya Soni is going to join us in just a few moments. She'll tell us about her presentation at the conference and then also give us a glimpse into the different panel discussions that she's going to be participating on. A Couple quick updates for you. We've got some surveys that are going on which are really important. So I'd love when you can to take time to share what caregiving is like for you in our annual family caregiver survey. You can go to caregiving.com and you'll see links to the survey. This is the most exhaustive survey that we do Typically, we do do it every year. I skipped last year. I got really bombarded with planning and posting and pulling together our first National Caregiving Conference, so I skipped last year. But for the most part, we've been doing this survey since 1996, and it helps us with understanding where you are and what you need. A lot of the content that we develop comes out of our annual survey. So, for instance, we're going to talk to Priya about one of the panel discussions she's a part of, and that's loneliness. And loneliness came out of our survey results several years ago, which is why we focused on helping helping you lessen your loneliness. So when you have 20 minutes, and I know that's asking a lot, we'd love for you to take some time and share what caregiving is like for you in this year's annual family caregiver survey. Again, you can go to caregiving.com and find information about completing the survey. The survey is done through SurveyMonkey. It gives you an idea of how far along you are in the survey so you can gauge how much more time given what you've already invested. And one of the other things about the survey that is so great too is that it is multiple choice and then there are several, several essay questions at the end. And after, after we do this, every year. Those who have taken the survey really appreciate the opportunity to share in an essay their responses and experiences to our questions. So know that we do read everything. We read everything. And we really use it to develop content, events, and other types of conferences, like what's happening in November in Chicago. And then the second survey that we been doing for the past almost two years is the Family Caregiver Stress Survey. This is our simplest survey. We ask you to rate your stress level on a scale of one to five, one being the least, five being the most, and then tell us what contributes to your stress. And then you have an opportunity again to write out whatever's going on. We've been doing this for almost two years. Because I really feel like family caregiver stress is the overlooked epidemic in our communities. And just this month, three stories have come out in the news directly related to what family caregiver stress does. So a husband, these stories are are just terrible, so I kind of feel bad sharing what's happened, but it's the reality. So a husband tried to kill his wife. He had been caring for her and his son, and he just broke. A daughter tried to kill her mom to end her mom's suffering. She's a pharmacist, and she cares for her mom. And then just over the weekend, another story came out of Wisconsin, where a father killed his daughter, who he was caring for, and then killed himself. We have got to stop with these stories We have got to do effective interventions so that family caregivers don't feel the need to take such drastic measures. So when you take our Simple Family Caregiver Stress Survey, we have the number to show that stress is rampant in our communities among family caregivers and that we need to do something. So I had started an initiative in 2015 for the CDC to track family caregiver and its source. You may have participated in chats on Twitter, my outreach to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I didn't get anywhere, which really frustrated me, which is why I decided, okay, I need to track it myself if I can't get someone else to do it. And it's been helpful to show how stressed out you are. Our survey has shown that the stress level is either 4.15 or 416 4.17. 4.17. And again, that's on a scale of 1 to 5, 5 being the most. That number has only moved between 4.15, 4.16, 4.17. That's it. In almost two years of doing this, it's always been 4.16, give or take a percentage point. Not even a percentage point, but you know where I'm going with that. It is constant. That's the stress. We need to do something with an effective intervention, and that's what I hope you'll do. So when you take that simple stress survey, you are helping us. Share your story. And then sign our petition for the CDC to track family caregiver stress and its source in our communities. Let's treat it like the epidemic it is. Let's not wait for one other attempted or or successful murder. Sounds such an odd way to phrase it, but. Let's do something about it. Let's say no more. And again, you can go to caregiving.com to find out about both those surveys. And thanks so much to those of you who do share. Again, what you tell us about what it's like for you is invaluable, and we appreciate the time you take to do that. So joining this me this morning is Priya Sony. She's one of our presenters at our National Caregiving Conference, which happens November 10th and 11th in Chicago. And Priya will be co-presenting a presentation called Making Empowering Care Choices with Long-Term Care. And Priya is the founder and CEO of the Caregiving Effect LLC, a platform and service launched to create a space for adults who have cared for their parents, parental figures due to aging, illness, and or disability. Welcome Priya, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate that. So tell us about your presentation. Why was this something that you felt was important to present at our conference?
1: Sure. So I think I, I've had a couple different situations with my parents specifically in making long-term care choices. And so there was the familiarity, like the recent familiarity, the differences that I made with my care, my parents for long-term care choices. For example, my father lived at home. My mother recently um, had hip surgery, and she's now living in more of a senior community. Uh, and so I wanted to be able to share what could be really helpful in making those types of choices um, for people that are the closest in your life. And I also wanted to, along with Lee, we discussed that what keeps it sustainable, and that is the empowerment factor. And so we are going to really focus on how to make sure that you can feel sustained, um, feel empowered through the experience, and understand how to navigate the path as well.
0: So one of the words that you use in your presentation title is choices. And sometimes it can feel like there really is no good choice. So what's your perspective on choices as it relates to finding the
1: right place for an aging parent to live? Well, I think it starts with many things. How it started for me was research, just opening up the computer and and going online and just doing some research about what were the options for long-term care. Uh, it could be home care, it could be assisted living, it could be a nursing home, it could be many, many other different types of, of paths that one could take. The second was that there's a choice in, in also building a community in, in reaching out to others who've been through this experience. And that is one thing that I didn't do so much with my father, but I did with my mother um, in, in regards to sort of finding long-term uh, care choices. And, and, and also there was this mindset and realizing that, I have a choice in how I communicate this with my parents, and I have a choice in in that if we if we make one choice, we can choose another, um, and that it's and really understanding the mindset that sometimes this is trial and error. Unfortunately and fortunately, you learn along the way. But if you build a community of people who have been through the experience, people that can also advocate for you, and you reach out if you do the research yourself, and if you develop communication um, you know, strategies with your family members and, and loved ones or friends, if you're taking care of friends, um, it, it's all the better for you. And that leads yeah, into I, the empowering piece.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love how you are able to really focus in on what's the choice within our control and to make the most of that choice. So even if you feel like, oh, my gosh, we don't have a choice, my mother has to move out of her home. It's your choice about how you communicate about it, what you do about that, how you manage that. That's the choice that's most important. So with your mom... Yeah, go
1: ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. There's also a choice in the role that you decide to play within all of this too, and so you know even when, whether it's sitting down the table and starting to have the conversations with your family member or um, the choice that you're going to have in in how you and how you communicate with other people that you know if your parents moving to sort of a facility of some sort, like how are you going to walk into those particular roles and situations, and so choices are are really our right and right in front of us. And just because we make one choice today does not mean we have to follow through if it just is not working for us too. And so understanding that, that, um, that we always have a choice as well. And that is what, like what you said, it's what is in our control.
0: So what's different between how you manage your mom's care and your dad's care? What do you know now that you didn't know then?
1: I think the first thing uh, that I know is that I'm an advocate. I think when it came down to my father, I was learning a lot of things in the moment, uh, really just live in the experience, and being an advocate in that way was just a necessity. I, I just called myself a good, <laughs> dutiful daughter, um, and I still do with, with my mom as well, um, and uh, care and love them, and that's where it really all comes from uh so i think but it's more intentional now with my with my mom and with just the sort of different people that could be in her life and being an advocate and being somebody who is able to share who she is also i think being an advocate and is how we develop relationships with the people on our care team uh such as doctors or uh, nurses or um Other caregivers, to social workers, to whoever we're really in um, direct communication with, really developing those relationships and fostering them too, Uh, because they they do become part of your care team. And this is this takes a village, and just understanding that I think was one of the key things that I learned because in the early years, I mean, I would say really throughout my father's twelve year. Uh, journey with his uh, neurological condition, which was in, went undiagnosed, um, it's a mystery illness. I really relied on myself and, and some of my family to, to be there, but I have since lear- learned that there are more people out there who have experience and people that I can lean in and lean on, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's just really understanding this. It takes a village, and it's important to reach out. As hard as it is, and as has hard as it can feel, sometimes just, just making one small step and saying, I really could use some help, or I really would like to share this about my parent.
0: You're young now, so you were really young when your father's health situation happened. And I think the other yeah. part of being so young is that, there isn't that natural support system. So, for instance, I'm in my mid-50s, so I have a natural support system because I have friends that are going through something similar. And when you're so young, your friends aren't going through something similar. How did you, how did you manage that situation where it can really feel like you're the only one?
1: You know, that was super difficult. I luckily had my sister, who's two years younger than me, and we were both in our 20s. And we just relied on each other a lot to just talk about it. But it was very difficult to be able to just even open up some social media platforms and sort of see how families were celebrating the holidays or, or things like that. And we were trying to figure out caregiver support <laughs> during the holidays for my father or or whatever it, it might have been or how we were going to support my father during like uh, diff- uh, different moments and different situations of our lives. And so overall, how I dealt with it was sometimes not very well Um, I sort of retreated more within myself, and um, I think one of the things that really helped with it was that I was raised in a family that was always very communicative and that had and has a very strong spiritual background, and so what I ended up relying on more so as I got older through the experience was the spirituality piece and, and realizing that there's something bigger than me out there that I can again, lean in and lean on um, and, and ask for help. Uh, and, and it really helped me develop a space. But very early on, it was, it was difficult because I just really didn't know what route to take, where to go, how to do it, was I in charge. It was really certainly living in a lot of those questions, and it required me to sort of delve deeper into my own adulthood at the time. Uh, which was was a real sort of learning experience but it was it was definitely a journey and one that I learned an extraordinary amount from
0: yeah i i just i just think that you know caregiving is isolated anyway and i think it's really tough yeah. when you feel isolated by the experience because it's not relatable to your peers and your peers might right. not go ahead.
1: Yeah. And I I really didn't know how to talk about it. It was so new to me and it felt so different. And I could feel the shifts in my family happening that it was just, how do I actually get the words out to talk about it? It also felt like a very private experience too. And one that um, I didn't know sometimes if, if I wanted to even talk about. And so there was this sort of like inner conflict like I want to talk about it but I don't want to talk about it how do I talk about it Uh, and uh, you know really just sort of being aware that if I consistently talk about this then it just becomes like my whole life all the time and how do I manage that and also manage at the time I was living in another place like how do I manage sort of living my life as well
0: And especially because your father never received an official diagnosis. I think that's really tough to talk about because you're not sure what you're talking about and you don't want people to, you know, there's always this fear of, well, what will people respond to this? Will they understand that there really is something wrong? We don't have a diagnosis and yet there's something really critically wrong here.
1: Exactly. It was, I think was initially, and and you know, really throughout his experience, and this is really coming from people wanting to help. Was, uh, you know, my father had really gotten to a place of acceptance with it very early on. With it, I think like the first four, five years, I would say, of because uh, through a twelve-year journey, uh, where he was just, you know, we just sort of stopped trying to figure out what it was. There's only so many tests and exams and doctors and um, and other, other professionals in the field that we could go to and, you know, the responses were, we just don't know. We can only tell you that's a neurological condition. And so I think initially it was pretty hard to just share with people that we're just, we're choosing to live in a space really at the helm with my father being at the helm sort of saying, you know, I've accepted this. This is just my lot and my last chapter of life and I've accepted this. And really, just sharing that 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 philosophy and that just sort of that mindset with others, because I think we live in a world, and specifically, I think in a country where we want to fix things, we want to know the answers for things, and when we don't, how do we handle that? And this was a real lesson in that, and sort of just really understanding the mysteries of life, and um, and accepting it for what it is, and then making choices based off of that. And so I found at times that in conversations that I was sort of sharing a philosophy that I had never expected to be able to share in my life, but it all came from this whole
0: experience. And what a leader your father was in empowering everyone to accept the the situation, to know we've done everything we can, and I'm going to accept this so that we can keep living. It's interesting how that happens, right? You think, oh, no, the acceptance is
1: the giving up. It's actually the allowing the living to happen. Right. Exactly. It's the, it's the letting go of what was and really sort of in some ways embracing what is. And, uh, and, you know, he had some real rough years. I mean, it was, it was a journey for him to get to that place. It was a journey for all of us to get to that place of saying, okay, this is what it is. And now how do we handle it versus let's continue to start figuring this out, keep figuring this out uh, and, and move in that sort of space. And so, I'm I'm grateful that we, we got to a place of saying, okay, we're just going to accept what is at this point and move on from here. I think that was a saving grace for us when I look back.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you attended our conference last year, and now you're a panelist and presenter this year. Why is this an important conference for you to participate in?
1: Oh, well, you know, when I was a caregiver, and I am a caregiver today, I felt I didn't really know where my community was. I didn't know who else was going through it, and partially it was because I just wasn't always reaching out as well. So to be able to attend a conference where there's people who are currently caregivers, who have been caregivers, who are caregiver advocates, who are in the field of caregiving and other fields related is just... I'm super excited to be among a group of people who can say, I've been there or I know people who have been there or I'm here for you. And I'm excited to be one of the people who can actually say that to others too as well. So attending this is, is going to be in a lot of ways uh, an, an empowering moment for me, but in a, in a lot of ways just sort of coming full circle, I would say.
0: Yeah, I, I find that too. It's, it, it's, um, it anchors you to purpose and that it, it, you know, we've been using the word empower and it does empower you to continue, which I think is so critical. And to know that there is this support that you connect with for a few days and yet keep, you keep the support throughout the next year. So what was it like for you to connect to that support at the conference and then how did you keep it over the next year?
1: Yeah, it was, oh, it was so great. I re- There's one thing about when you start to meet people online because of how many things are online today and you, you some and I even got on the phone with some others before I met them and, and were involved in different projects. But the in-person experience, there, there's nothing like it for me. I, it was just pretty amazing to just put a face to a name and have these conversations in person and then continue it and sustain it afterwards. And what it has done is that is developed a community. It has expanded like opportunities and projects that could come from it and, uh, and partnerships. And for me, there's, there's nothing better than that. And building community is so key to me, and it's just key to, like, who I am and understanding and, and hearing other perspectives and learning from that, too. Being a teacher in some ways, but also being a learner also. And I think being at the Caregiving Conference, the National Caregiving Conference, has really helped me just explore that in so many different ways. And, um, and it's just it's built friendships which I'm so grateful for that I that I keep every day and we and we and we all talk and, and how we sustain it is that we just we pick up the phone or we send an email to each other or we, we set up time when we see each other in November for a dinner or a breakfast or whatever it might be. It's the um it's just the I think it's the real understanding of saying, hey, this connection means something to me, and it means even more because we can see each other in our experiences.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to presenting, you're also part of a couple panel discussions. One is on being an advocate, and the other one is really combating loneliness. Why was it important for you to to be a a panelist on those two discussions?
1: So... It's interesting because when it comes to loneliness, I've always been really fascinated on the different types of loneliness that I felt through my situation and the different types of loneliness that I have heard from others as well. And I'd love to just be able to explore that with people. For example, when I think about loneliness, I think there's a difference of feeling lonely and then being alone in the experience. There's similarities, but then there's differences in how one feels and how one responds to a situation. My loneliness, uh, I know, uh, and then also from talking to others, was different when I just like sort of, when it was a new situation, a new experience for me. Uh, The loneliness felt different when uh, communication was a factor. My father could no longer communicate, and how do I actually develop a relationship with him and continue it and sustain it and have myself feel heard and have him feel heard? Um, There there were so many different types of loneliness that I felt that I'm just so interested to explore. And when it comes to advocacy, uh, I think that's just inherent in who I am. And, um, it, I'm so super excited to be on panel with the, with the people that I am. And even with the third panel discussion, uh, which is Colleen's, um, afterlife, you know, how one deals with after a caregiving experience, um, and deals with the, the process of going through death and dying and all of that and, and purpose from that experience. Um, but with the advocacy piece, I found that, um, it's just integral to who I am, and it's, I think it's so important and crucial to how we operate and the role that we play as a caregiver. It's, it's also um, so important to think about how we, how we help others advocate for themselves. And so I'm really excited to be able to delve into those into those particular panels because um, and hear from others, about what they're experiencing and be able to, to share insight and get insight from others as well.
0: Yeah, you've got a busy couple days on November 10th and 11th <laughs> at the <laughs> conference. So have you set any personal goals or professional goals, anything that you're hoping to take away from the conference?
1: I think uh, the personal and professional tend to sort of just veer into each other. I, I think it's to meet as many people as i can to hear as many stories as i can um and to share my story as much as i can too Uh, because i think that there is uh, it's it's difficult to find purpose from this experience while you're in it uh but i i want to be able to shed light and say that 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 is a possibility and that is a choice and that is a, a real vision that can that can come to fruition uh, and so, I, I think really my main goal is just to meet and um, listen and share as much as I can. That that's really that's it, and um, and to be able to also share that you know there is help out there, there is a listening ear out there, there there are support services out there, and they're there for you. Um, and so, take advantage of it.
0: Sounds awesome.
1: Okay. So, Priya, for our listeners
0: who'd like to be in touch with you, what's your website address?
1: Sure. My website is priasony.net. So that's P is in Paul, R is in Robert, I-Y-A, Sony, S is in Sam, O, N is in Nancy, I.net.
0: And, again, you can connect with Priya at our second annual National Caregiving Conference. She's got presentations and panel discussions on both days, November 10th, and 11th in Chicago if you can't connect with us in Chicago you can watch our virtual broadcast and we have sessions that are broadcast on Friday as well as on Saturday Priya thank you so much for being with us today
1: thank you so much I'm super excited to see you in November yeah see you in just about five weeks I think see you in about five weeks oh my goodness (laughs) thanks so much for having me on
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care.